And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we welcome back to the program a gentleman who appeared on a show a few months ago. He's a preparations expert, and I think he's got a really good energy. He's going to teach a lot of skills on how you can do to prepare yourself for the coming times ahead. I believe that if you do have a prepper type mindset, one of the greatest things about it is you become less dependent on others and less dependent on the system. I mean, it's good to have some people you can count on, but so many people in our society are totally dependent on the government. They're totally dependent upon all these other things. And when you are independent when you can fend for yourself when you can take care of yourself i think you become a great asset to the people around you and having an independent and prepper type mindset is is a great thing it's a great gift that you can give to your friends to your family or even your community let us begin tonight's program Welcoming back to the program is Mr. Edward Carswell. He's a preparedness expert who engages millions of people each week with his Prepper Nurse One channel on YouTube. We've had him on the show before, and I'll tell you what, I discovered him a couple months ago. I really find Prepper channels, I'm really into them, but I'll tell you what, I think he was the most down-to-earth, level-headed Prepper I've come across in a long time, and it's really cool. Mr. Carswell, welcome to our show. How are you, sir? Very good, and thank you so much for having me on again. I do appreciate it. Uh, always love to share information. It's a, it's always a good thing, you know. And with with everything going on, uh, I think we're waking up a whole bunch of new people. Yeah, they're all since the last time you were on. There was people. I think we had you on a couple months ago, and I was like, oh my, what are you a prepper? And I was like, everyone is a prepper. Everyone is a prepper. Everyone's a homeschooler now. So that changed pretty quick. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Everybody is sheltering in place and staying home and, you know, not going to work, which is, uh, you know, obviously going to definitely have a detrimental effect on everything that is with our society, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, it's, we are in for some very interesting times coming up. And, uh, you know, the, like I said, the, the, the most calm people that I have seen throughout this whole thing are the people that are prepared. And uh, I think preparedness is a very, very important aspect, and it should be, you know, I, I want people to remember something. Back in the generation when the Great Depression happened, uh, people were much, much more self-sufficient in those days. Everybody had big gardens. Everybody had, uh, you know, uh, they knew how to sew clothes and, and, and did a lot of different things that, where they didn't need to go and rely on somebody else to take care of them. And unfortunately, we've gotten away from that. And I think with this situation that's happening now, uh, a lot of people are waking up and realizing, you know, the old ways are not always a bad thing. And so I think you're going to see a lot more people getting back to 
uh, the basics of things and being more self-reliant because this is really exposed um, the underbelly of how truly fragile the system is. I agree with you more. Real quick, what is the best website where people can learn more about you? Because everyone goes, I, I always tell people go to Prepper Nurse One at, at YouTube.com. What is your the best website for you? Well, I have I have my regular website. So if you if, if anybody puts in Prepper Nurse One, um, my website will come up. That's PrepperNurseOne.com, and also my YouTube channel. If they go on to YouTube and put in Prepper Nurse One, and that's the number one, not O N E. Uh, I will come up. They will see me, <laughs> and uh, you know it's. Uh, I've been doing uh, YouTube for many, many years now. Uh, we have been on the homestead. Uh, June will start our sixth year of living full-time off-grid. Uh, I spent many years talking about going off-grid before I actually did it. Um, you absolutely need to have a plan if you want to succeed in this lifestyle. I will tell anybody that wants to listen um, that it, you know, a lot of people will get into it with uh, delusions of grandeur and grandioso ideas. But when it comes right down to it, it is hard work, but it is so worth it in the long run. Um, to be as self-sufficient as you possibly can be, there is nothing wrong with that. And to rely on yourself uh, for your food, um, you know, and all those type of things and having animals, it's, it's very, very rewarding. And it's a lot less stressful of a life. I can definitely tell you that from my own experience. I would love to do it. I would love to be off, but there's a, I have a couple issues one is even though i'm not really a fan of people <laughs> i i do like having a sense of community i do like having neighbors that i can talk with i mean i live in, a, in an area where i am friends with some little neighbors it's cool i enjoy it and also it's um i know i think it's the, the idea of being close to people being a little bit near part of the community but how is how do you deal with it what are some of the mental challenges you think you deal with living totally off grid well, the, the mental challenge is, is it, when you first go off grid, is adjusting. Um, for me, okay, so I, I have two children, and they are now 18, but when we moved up here, they were 13 years old. So the biggest adjustment for them especially, and myself included in that, is going from just walking and flipping that switch on and having unlimited power um, wherever, whatever, to uh, adjusting to the fact that you had to watch your power consumption and you had to uh, pay attention uh, to the battery levels of your, you know, your system. And you, you find out very quickly what works, what does not work. And you adjust to that. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you a, a quick story. So we get through our first winter up here and I had a 12 volt system and I had three uh, 250 watt solar panels. So that spring came and I said to the children, um, I said, if you had one thing right now, what do you want more than anything else here at home? And unanimously, it was more power. So that was what I worked on uh, that second year, you know, that we were at the homestead. And then every year, I'll be honest with you, um, I'm still tweaking it right now. I'm in the process of uh, actually this weekend, I'm building a new battery room. I have new batteries ordered because um, your batteries your battery capacity is really, really important. Um, anybody that's going to do this, do not go cheap. Um, if you go cheap, you're going to end up chasing after that in the long run because what happens is if you buy a uh, cheap inverter or a cheap charge controller, you're going to find out really quickly that it's not as efficient and it's not as good as that you should have. And so you end up having to go out again 
in buying a better quality product one. It is better to buy the quality in the very beginning. And, uh, you know, in, and like I said, it's, it's a very, um, it's a learning curve that is uh, unforgiving. <laughs> so, right, let's talk about but, when it comes to power. I mean, just getting everyone prepared. Let's go with a couple sure. essentials. We'll go right into it. Well, first off, even before that, based on where we are right now, a lot of people across the country, these governors, they're violating the Constitution on a ridiculous level saying, oh, you can't go, you can't travel, you can't do this, you can't do that. So there's nothing in the Constitution about you not being able to travel. So I, I'm, I'm very upset about that. I don't know if that, that's bothering you a lot at all because it's it's eating me to the core that it's happening and that people aren't saying anything. But based on where we are right now, what do you foresee as happening in the next couple of months? What trajectory do you think we're on right now? Well, if you look at the numbers of the virus, the way that they are exponentially jumping every day, like today we just passed China in the total number of cases. Now, is that true or not true? I don't believe that that's true because I believe China's lied about their numbers from the very, very get-go. Okay, but um, right now in the United States, I mean, our numbers are jumping hugely now, especially I am in New York. Um, New York, the numbers are jumping up really, really uh, unbelievably. Now, what I want people to realize, too, we have 330 million Americans in the United States. As of, I believe, yesterday, we had only tested 440,000 people. So that's absolutely nothing in comparison um, to how bad this thing could be. This this virus is very, very contagious. And uh I think you're going to see an incredible number of numbers uh, before this is done. I don't think this is over by a long shot. I think we're in for a very, very long haul with this. Uh, the government is already in the very beginning of this. had planned for this to be 12 to 18 months. So, uh, you know, that's something people need to think about. What's going to happen, in my opinion, um, you know, I'm in the medical field, so I'm a nurse. Um, you're going to see this first wave happen. It may die down a little bit and people think, oh, everything's great. We're back to normal. Then the second wave is going to hit. And then the third wave is going to hit next winter. And I think you're going to see um, a lot of people that, uh, you know, that we love. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I, my mother is going to be 77 in July. Uh, she is a diabetic. She is overweight. She is not in the best health. I mean, she has poor lungs to begin with. She gets sick every single year. Uh, you know, so she is a very, very high risk for this. And, you know, I mean, I am absolutely concerned for her safety, you know, and so she has been, uh, you know, isolating herself and not leaving and not going anywhere. And um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's scary when you look at that because, uh, you know, and, and the thing is too, it's, this is not just affecting older people. It's affecting so many younger people and people are, haven't been taking it seriously, uh, a lot of people have been calling it a hoax, and I think we're going to pay for that arrogance. I really, really think we're going to pay for that arrogance. One of the things I'm having a hard time doing with is that, okay, life is, I think it's meant to be lived, and you're meant to go out and experience certain things. I I, mean, I don't want to sit down and be indoors all the time, and I want to sit there and be afraid because I think that the government's using this as an opportunity to, to suppress people, oppress people. You know, you can't go to a church. You can't do this. I mean, do you think at some point in time people should be allowed to live their lives and willing to take a chance? And, you know, if you want to go to a restaurant, you sign a waiver. You say, listen, I, I refuse to sue this restaurant if I get sick or I refuse to get sick. Because, I mean, if they really wanted to limit this thing, they would say, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, people can still go outside. They can still go to grocery stores. I just don't think that I can't imagine living like this for the foreseeable future. I mean, I don't know. I'm just 
What do you think? Because we're so used to just doing what we want when we want and going to the store, going to the movies or, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I think we're not being given the full story on this situation. Um, I, you know, I've talked about on my channel that I believe that this is a bioweapon. That, again, is my opinion. Uh, I believe it came out of Wuhan, China from the, uh, you know, the, uh, the lab that they had there. And it was either released on purpose or by accident one way or the other. And it got out. Um, America had ample opportunity to really try to lock this down early, early on. And because they didn't, it just really makes me wonder, was this allowed when you talked about loss of freedoms and loss of rights? Was this allowed to happen uh, on purpose because the gain control? Because I want people to think about something. And this is uh, this is really, really important. And I talked about this and I'm not a conspiracy theorist um, to some degree. Yes, but not overall. But if you look at what was happening around the world just before this virus got out and started, what was happening was people all around the world were standing up and saying, I'm not taking the government's crap anymore. And that goes from Hong Kong to China, to the United States, to France, you know, all over the place. People were saying, I have had enough. And what happens then? This virus gets out and the fear factor goes into it, obviously, which it should, because I think that this is, you know, I, I believe this was an engineered thing and a bioweapon is designed to kill. And so they're using that, obviously, to their advantage um, to, again, lock people down. And you don't see people out there. They're not protesting anymore. They're not rising up against the government anymore because they're terrified. And, uh, you know, and again, they have every right to be. So, but uh, again, we, we should never, ever, ever give up our freedoms in the guise of safety. So, again, we have to come to a point where we decide what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And again, I think right now, excuse me, with everything that is going on with this virus, we really need to be hyper vigilant and really pay attention to things and see what is going on. Because there's always going to be, there's that old saying, you never let a, a crisis go, you know, uh, not taking go advantage to, of it. Yeah, Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. Right. Yeah. Never let a crisis go to waste. So obviously, the powers that be, you know, they always have an ulterior motive for everything. And so because of this crisis, they're going to try to take advantage of that. When you have, you know, the gun stores are closed and uh, you're not able to process your um, application for your pistol permits or whatever. And, and buying today. Yep. And, and buying a weapon and stuff like that. And first of all, we shouldn't have to be jumping through hoops and getting permission to be able to defend ourselves. That should never have been allowed in the first place. And if you look at what had happened with the, um, the rally down in Virginia, again, people were standing up and saying, hey, we're not taking this anymore. And I think that the powers that be saw that we could assemble, we the people could assemble peacefully a tremendous amount of armed people, and there was no violence, and, you know, and, and that, that doesn't fit their agenda. So, you know, they're always going to look to try to circumvent everything, um, again, in the guise of safety. So we really need to pay attention to that as well. I have to this, way. This, is, this is really kind of puzzling to me because I think that Americans, for the most part, a lot of people are very impulsive. They're very impulsive. They want things what they want when they want it. 
And yet a lot of these protests are very peaceful. I'm surprised that something hasn't happened yet. Do you think there's anything, is there anything a particular reason why, I guess, people are tolerating so much? What do you think is going to be a breaking point where people are going to say, no, we're not, we can't tolerate this anymore. This is unacceptable. But no, absolutely not. Well, we've obviously, as everybody has seen on, on television and people going crazy and running to the stores, if that, if that breaks down and they cannot keep the stores full of food, and people have used up whatever food that they have, um, that's going to be a breaking point. It, at some point, you know, um, people are going to be like, well, I, I, I don't think there's anything. I mean, there's so many people out there saying that this is a psych op and everything else. Um, so people are believing that YouTube channels are coming out and saying that this whole thing is fake. It's not real. Uh, again, you know, I mean, it's, we're given information what we do with that, you know, as, as video creators, we have a responsibility. And I mean, I try to, on my channel, first of all, I'm always going to preach calm. I'm going to never, I, know, I always respect it about you. You're very level-headed, do a great job. No fear monger yeah. with you. Right. I will not fear monger. Exactly. Because it is what it is. You know, I will lay out the facts. You can do what you wish with those, with that information. But again, it's like, we need to, really be cautious because again, I, this thing I believe is much, much more deadly. If you look at, okay, so here, here's the thing is everybody talks about, oh, the flu's killed so many more people than this virus and everything like that. Okay. And that's a, that's like one of the mantras that people will go to, but you have never seen the governments of the world all over the world do what they have done in response to this thing, which tells me there's information that is being withheld that we are not being given of how bad this thing really is. Um, I, I, like I said, with China, I believe that the numbers are much, much higher than they ever even, you know, have reported. And because uh, when you have that many people, I mean, look what, okay, so let's, let's, let's look at it from this way. Let's look at facts, okay? New York City, highly, highly congested area, a lot of people eight and a half million people in New York city. It is spreading like wildfire or actually I'll even go with what my governor said here, like a bullet train. That's how it's spreading in New York city right now. And people are still out at the cafe, sitting down, drinking their coffee, pretending like nothing is fine. Everything is fine. Nothing is going on. Um, that's concerning to me because of the fact now, again, a lot of places have locked down, um, sent people home. But again, how long is that going to last? Do you think it's only going to last two weeks? I don't. It's going to be much longer than that. And so, again, when people don't have any money to go buy groceries and to get the things that they need, and I'm going to tell you what, a $1,200 stimulus check is not going to cut it. Oh, especially not with the inflation. I think of anything, that's going to push the, the price of everything to go up. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. You what? Know, Come to your channel. I love. I enjoy watching a lot of your videos because I think there's a lot of great things that you do. You're, there's very empowerment. And one of the things I wanted to just talk to you about today is let's give a hypothetical situation, something we've been talking a lot about with people like Peter Schiff on our show, that we have a currency collapse. And you know that pretty much takes down the financial system because we have mentioned it before. What are some of the things that people can do right now to allow some semblance of a way of life to continue? Like how would you, if you were in the situation, like would you be reaching out to farmers, offering to work for them, do work for them now? Uh, you know, or would you build relationships with electricians? Like what are some of the things that people can do right now 
to provide some kind of semblance of continuity after a currency crisis. So I don't know if the governments of the world are going to be able to contain that. I mean, they can't even contain the uh, coronavirus. I don't know what they're going to do when all the currency uh, collapses, especially in the U.S., because if the U.S. dollar goes, I imagine all other paperback currencies, which have the same foundations of the dollar, are also going to go, and yet the coronavirus is bad. This is like the coronavirus on steroids. So what are yes. your thoughts about that? What I would encourage people, and, I, and I've talked about this a lot on my channel, is networking. Networking with people, planning. Find people that you like now, okay? And work and plan on working together. Um, well, I'm a big believer in having commodities. So what do I mean by that? I would rather have tangible goods that I have on hand that are tradable, that I can have to use for my own self and the people in my group and, uh, you know, and, and those type of things. Again, networking with your neighbors. The biggest threat, and I, I want people to really take this home, okay? The biggest threat in any situation with, with what is going on, if we have a financial collapse, which is absolutely happening right now as we speak, um, even though the stock market has jumped up the last couple of days, we are headed for disaster. With people not working, people are not out spending money. Um, there's a lot of issues that people have no idea about. But again, the, the biggest threat to you, as whoever you are, wherever you are that's listening to this, your biggest threat is going to be your neighbors. That is your biggest threat. Because I don't care if you have the mild-mannered dentist that is just a really nice guy. You see him, you wave, and that's your total contact with him. If he is out of food and his kids are starving and they're looking for daddy to make sure that they eat, that gentleman will do whatever he has to do to make sure his kids eat. And if you have food and he doesn't, he will do what he has to do to get that to take care of his family. So if you are networking with people and working with people now and planning on working together and getting together and, you know, if, if you can get a group of people to meet and make plans on, okay, this month we're going to all work on this or we're going to work on that or, or actually even doing it differently. We're saying, okay, um, Charlie, you go out and you buy 200 pounds of rice this month. And Sue, I want you to go out and, and you're going to get, um, you know, black beans and lima beans and green beans and those type of things and have a, a certain amount set that, you know, that you want to try to acquire and have people work together. Because here's the problem. If you have, let's say you have a group and everybody has not put in an equal share. Okay. The problem is going to be, you're going to end up with resentment because Joe spent, you know, uh, $2,000 on supplies, but Bob only spent 500 and now Bob wants to eat some of my supplies, but I spent more money on my supplies. So you see where you're, you're, you're having a problem in your group. So if everybody, if everybody equally contributes to whatever you're trying to do, it's going to make things better. And everybody's on a level playing field. I mean, how do you initially start a group? I'll tell you, because my situation, at least my neighborhood, there's I, there's probably like one neighbor who I, I really like, and he's, he's well aware of what's going on. Everyone else doesn't even realize there's a problem. Everyone else thinks that we're still living in the freedom, that everything's going to be fine. In a couple months, is going to be fine. Everything's going to go back to normal. And that's where they are. And if I try to mention something to them about it, I go, hey, why don't we talk about this? I mean, they look at me like I'm crazy. And... It's strange. So how do you begin that discussion? Because 
I guess everyone's going to go through it at some point. So what is a good way of, I don't know, initiating a conversation, starting a group with people who don't even know that something's wrong? Well, I think a good, a good way to do that is, um, you know, you use other examples. Um, so you'll say to somebody, you'll go, okay, well, can I, you know, this is how you start a conversation with somebody. Say, let me ask you a question. You have car insurance, right? And they'll go, well, because everybody has car insurance that has a car. Well, why do you have car insurance? Well, in case I get into an accident. So you have it just in case. And they're like, yes. Do you have life insurance? A lot of people have life insurance. Well, why do you have life insurance? Well, if something happens to me and I'm the breadwinner, uh, my family's going to be taken care of. Well, that's very great. You know, that's an awesome thing. I mean, I have life insurance as well. I mean, so you can start that conversation off about like that. And then you say to them, well, what happens if we have a disaster and the power's out and it's not going to come back on for a long extended period of time? How ready are you for that? You make them think. And that's how you start a conversation. And what you can say is at that point, you can say, well, listen, if you were interested I'd love to talk to you more about this if you're willing to sit down and have a conversation, you know, because I know that if we work together, and that's that's the big key is working together. Um, it can be very, very overwhelming for somebody to try to do this all by themselves. Um, we like on my website, I have the I have a Prepper Nurse One community. Okay, it is free to join. Nobody's charged anything. You do have to register because it's private, but it's a great way to connect with like-minded people in whatever state you're in, whatever country you're in. And it's a really good opportunity for people to uh, converse with like-minded people. I mean, even if you want to just go in and read message boards, that's great. Um, if you want to try to network, which I think is really important, um, you know, I always encourage people to network. And so, you know, that it's a, a really good place to try to connect with like-minded people. Like if you're in Colorado, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I, I might talk with people in Colorado and I have certain people that I talk with, with there, but re the reality is I'm probably not going to work with somebody in Colorado if SHDF happens. So most likely the person that I'm going to work with is going to be in New York state. So I have reached out and I've, you know, I've met with people here. Um, I've gotten together with prepper groups and talked to them. I've met some fantastic people. I'm going to tell you what, more people that are like-minded um, with the prepping community, most of them, and when I say most, I'm going to say 98% of them are good, honest, hardworking people that see that there is an issue and they want to do something about it, but a lot of them don't even know where to start. So if you give them that opportunity to uh, get together with like-minded people, it's a great way to do it. Another, I also find that people who are registered gun owners I generally find my experience have been the, some of the most responsible people, very polite people too. I don't know. That's just my experience. I think that people are, you know, take the responsibility of, of having a gun that, you, you know, there's a, a lot you need to know and prepare for. So yeah. it's been another experience. So as far as life going in the future, there's this website called naturalnews.com. I've checked it out once in a while, but this guy, Mike Adams, gets on there and sometimes he gets like the most the gloomiest and doomiest predictions ever. And he had some article this week where he's like, yo, there's going to be some bad times coming ahead. People are going to be resorting to cannibalism in about six months. And I'm like, I don't know. I, sometimes I wonder if that's true or if people are just putting that out there because they just go into extreme. Do you think that people are going to be eating people in six months? Or do you think that we have the capability as, as a culture, as a society 
to have somewhat semblance of uh, uh, civility that we're not, maybe we're not going to resort to cannibalism. Uh, maybe it'll be hard, but are we going to be eating people next couple months? Do you foresee it? I, I don't see us eating people in the next couple months. I do see issues with the food supply, uh, the food chain and stuff like that. So here, here's something that I was talking, I was talking about a little bit this last night in my live stream. Um, I talked about, okay, everybody's home. Uh, now in the north we don't plant up here uh outdoors anyway until you know may 31st that's when we put our gardens in outside because usually by may 20 or may 31st i'm sorry um we are going to be okay as far as not having another frost but people in the south if everybody's home right now and i said this last night i said you have no excuses now to get out there and put in your gardens put in the biggest gardens that you've ever put in your life um, I plan on putting in quite a large garden this year, outdoors and also in my greenhouse, okay? Because if we can can and produce our own products to be able to eat, and in plus, number one, if you're growing your own crops anyway, it's going to be better for you. So uh, I, I think it's really important that people realize that we need to get back to being more self-sufficient. And let's say, okay, so uh, you put in your garden and your potatoes do fantastic. So you have hundreds of pounds of potatoes, but let's say your tomatoes didn't do so good, but your neighbor's tomatoes did fantastic. Okay. But their potatoes didn't do well. Well, now you can barter. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's going to come down to is people bartering. I'm going to tell you what, I honestly believe there are more good people. I have to believe this in my heart. Okay. I believe that there's more good people out there than bad people. Are there people that will do bad things and take advantage of situations? Always. And there always will be. But I think the majority of people are decent people and they just want to, you know, they want to live life. They want to take care of their families. And so if you can put them in a situation where they can do that, um, and be more self-sufficient. I'm gonna, here's the biggest thing that I, I, I well, there's a lot of things, but here's one example of something that I tell people. When I go to bed at night, I don't worry about it because I know that whatever happens, I'm able to feed my children. I'm able to take care of the people that I care about. And, uh, you know, and that to me is probably the biggest peace of mind that I could possibly have. You know, when, when you're in a situation where, you know, how am I going to feed my family? What am I going to do? I mean, the stress of a uh, disastrous situation alone is going to be very, very taxing on people. But then when you add the other problems in on top of it with lack of food, lack of water, um, you know, how am I going to stay warm, you know, and all those type of things, it, it can be very, very overwhelming. Do you think at this point that even if things get really bad with this virus, that we're gonna that the the grid's totally gonna break down. Do you think that we'll be able to still have some semblance of a life that what we had before, or do do you think that maybe in two years that we'll we'll have the things will could go back to normal if this kind of this virus kind of plays itself out? Well, I don't think it'll ever be the normal that we had before the virus. If this thing really goes the way I believe that it will, uh, I think this one's going to be really really deadly. And it's going to be a wake-up call for a lot of people. I mean, a serious wake-up call to really realize how little we can rely on our government. Because um, the government, I'll agree tell you, with you now, more. I couldn't agree with you more. Right, their whole thing is going to be to take care of themselves, not the rest of us. And that's always been their thing. And it, like, I really like, I, I sat there last night and I was talking, and you know, 
you get people want to blame the Democrats. Other group of people want to blame the Republicans. And what I try to explain to people is I said, let, let me explain. I said, so that you guys really, truly understand. I said, Republicans, Democrats are two sides of the same coin. They're working for their rich masters, their special interest groups that got them elected, and they do not care about the rest of us. They don't, and they never will. And as soon as people realize that, and, it, and here's what I, one of the things that I talk about too, and this is why I think networking is so important. As preppers, as off-gridders, and, and those type of people, we have generally a lot of the same values, the same mindset. If we work together as a group of people and try to become as self-sufficient as we possibly can, there is no stopping us. We are very, very strong in numbers and people don't even have any idea how strong we are and how much of a difference we can make, um, you know, before, during, and after an event. When it comes to strength, one thing that I try to do, and I, I've had situations where I was with a small number of people and we dealt with a couple of corporations that wanted to put something in our neighborhood. And we, we fought really strong. There was only a small number of us, but we fought very, very hard. From your perspective, can you please uh, share with us some of your ideas on how you can project strength, how you can mentally project strength, how you can physically project strength, not only among your community in a positive way, but also project strength towards others that would come to do your, you harm and your family harm? The biggest thing is there's always going to be safety in numbers. So if people agree to work together for the common good, and, and so what do, I, what do I mean by that? Let's say we have a worst-case scenario, SHTF situation, and you know the grid goes down even and all that type of thing. I mean, we're, absolute worst-case scenario. What's going to happen is, now where I am, I'm very, very fortunate, and I picked my location very strategically on purpose, exactly where I wanted to be, um, even though I'm in New York. <laughs> so, but um, I really believe that my neighbors up here, that people will work together because it's in their best interest to work together. If you can have that common thing that you were working together, which would be survival at that point, it's in your best interest to work together with the group, um, sharing ideas and, 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 and pitching in and everybody works together. And, you know, in the days of sitting around and letting somebody else do all the work while other people benefit and reap all the rewards for it, that would be over because I, my philosophy, and, I, and I've said this before, and I've, and I've always told people this too. I said, when it comes time to, you're going to end up with people in your group that you never expected to be in your group because, you know, there's people that are going to bring something to the, to, to the table that you're going to be able to use. But the thing is, what'll happen is my, my philosophy is this. If you don't work, you don't eat. So whatever task that is going to change to everything for our society. And that goodness, how many freeloaders do we have in our society right now? Exactly. exactly. So um, we have too many. And, you know, these type of events that happen, uh, you know, you, you separate the, the wheat from the shaft, right? So, you know, it's, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people will die. A lot of good people will die, unfortunately. Uh, but what you're going to come out of it, I think, will be stronger. Uh, we'll be a tougher people and, uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, more community oriented afterwards. But I, I again, whatever is going to happen, 
if you don't work with a group of people, you're not surviving. If you're a lone wolf and you think, well, I'm just going to be me and my family and that's it. Well, guess what? You got to sleep sometime. You can't stay up 24 hours a day. You can't get everything done that needs to be done by yourself. So if you have a group of say, oh, and, and so we're talking about like, if you have bad people coming. So there's a group of a hundred bad people. Okay. And you have a group of 25 people, let's say. All right. But in your group, uh, of those 25, you have say 15 adults and 10 children, but those, all 15 of those adults are armed. They know how to use their weapons. Um, they're willing to protect what they have. And so when those bad people come, they may be a hundred of them and maybe they don't have any kids, but I'll tell you what, if you dispatch a few of them, they're going to go off to greener pastures and easier pickings because they're going to realize that you are not the ones to screw with. And so that's, that's the biggest thing is that you project strength. You're willing to do what's necessary and willing to work together for the common good of everybody in the group. And you'd be amazed how satisfying that that can be for people realizing, you know what, and, you know, at the end of the day, okay, let's say the chore was today, uh, the, the kids are out collecting kindling, the adults are taking down trees, bucking them up, splitting that wood, getting ready for winter, taking down dead trees. Okay. So you're doing that at the end of that day, you might have this huge pile of wood and you know that no matter how bad the winter's going to get, you're going to be able to stay warm. You're going to keep your family warm. And that is a great feeling. It's a great feeling. And we're missing that in our society today. I agree. I wish we had more. Now, this is a question I asked Fernando Guay, who appeared on our show, because he survived the collapse of Argentina in 2001. And when it cam- comes to defending you know, your, your group, your community, from people who would do you harm, I know this is probably going to sound cryptic and twisted, but... Do you take one of those people and, you know, do you respond in a very brutal manner, even though you're not like sick in the head, but you do you do that in order to set an example? Do you have do you have to do something towards one or two of those people that is so bad, that is so horrifying that those people never do it? And like, you know, again, you don't you know, you're not harming those people because you, you want to. You're not harming them because you, you're sadistic. You're doing that in order to set an example that other people never, ever come near you. I mean. Is that something you should keep in mind? Should your actions in terms of being brutal to people and also being kind to people be a direct reflection in order to hopefully set an example to others? Well, you're going to have to set an example, but here's, here's the best way to set an example for another group. So another group comes in and they attack you, okay? With, with some of them, you're not shooting to kill, you're shooting to wound. And so ask me why, why, why I would wound them and not just kill them. The reason that you're going to wound them instead of kill them is because if that group does not take care of their wounded, they won't stay a group very long. Because if somebody says, oh, nope, they're wounded, screw them, we're out of here, we're leaving them behind, you're going to have resentment, you're going to have people sneaking off from that group, and that group will break down in a hurry. Um, The people that take care of each other are the ones that are going to survive. Um, You may have to set an example and, and... so br- brutality, you know, I, I think a great example would be the, the, if you had to be brutal, if you had to, you know, um, you had a group of people that were coming and they were, you know, looking to do you harm. You know, you don't have to be brutal in the way that you kill them. But let's say you dispatch them. They're, they're dead. So then, you, you know, maybe at the, in an area where people do a lot of traveling, you put those bodies up and you put them on display with a sign that says looters will be shot. 
that's a, that I'm going to tell you what you see that. And if you're a person that has bad intentions, you're going to go, yeah, I'm not going there yeah. because it's going to psychologically, psychologically, you can send a really strong message that way. As of um, the last couple of months, it's amazing how people are going crazy at the grocery stores. And I've, I want to bring something to your attention and hopefully if you can add some more to it. What are some of the key items that people should be stocking up on? Because when I go to the grocery store right now, one of the things I like to do is, yeah, I know all the toilet paper is probably going to be gone, but I'm trying to get ginger. I'm trying to get antioxidants. I'm also looking for coffee. Like You can get a lot of coffee on the shelf. And I think the only reason why coffee and toothpaste and these antioxidants are on the shelf is because the media hasn't created a panic about it. But I think once the media says, oh, you know, make sure you get some of this stuff, everyone's going to go crazy. So what are some key items that people should be stocking up on now while they still can that maybe the average person isn't looking for? Well, I'm going to tell you what. One of the things, like, um, look for secondary places to get alternative stuff as well. So what do I mean by that? Um, Where I live in New York, we have a lot of Amish. So they have Amish stores. Well, I recent just um, last week I went to um, an Amish store, and uh, you know they still had everything, anything that I wanted there. So you know, I mean, I picked up flour, um, I picked up dry milk. Dry milk's important because one of the things that people forget about, if you had to go from drinking everything that we drink now every day to just drinking water, uh, you know, that would get really old really quickly. So if you can mix that up by getting drink mixes, uh, iced tea, uh, getting lemonade, you know, wh- whatever the case may be, tang, you, who, you know, just something to change that taste, tea bags, um, you know, so you can, you know, what, whatever, so you can have a hot tea or whatever it may be. But what I would rec- recommend to people to get, if you can, rice and beans are the staples, of course. So we need to, we need to have our staples, but with getting the rice and beans, make sure you're getting your spices as well. Because if you had only rice and beans to eat every day, you're going to lose your taste for that in a really fast time period. But if you can have um, gravy mix, pork gravy, chicken gravy, beef gravy, you mix that in with your rice, okay? Now you just change the taste of that that whole meal, so it's different. So um, and spices too, making that food, having that flavor because, you know, people like that taste and that flavor. So having different ways to, to add spices, I mean, you could take rice realistically, have rice every day for a week, but, uh, prepare it in a different way. So it's not tasting the same all the time. I mean, if you're eating just plain white rice day in, day out, day in, day out, after a while, you're not going to even want to touch that rice, no matter how hungry you are. So, you know, with changing the texture, changing the taste, um, rice and beans are a good thing to have. I encourage people to make sure you get out there and get canned goods, uh, get what you can buy. And and this may sound silly, but buy comfort foods, whatever you like, whatever. I mean, I like my sweets. I'm not going to lie. I love my sweets. So, you know, I'm always going to have some kind of candy back. I'm going to have some cookies and those type of things. And, um, because in a crisis situation, what do we want? We want comfort. So if you have something that you can eat as a treat um, for yourself, it, it's going to make it better. The, the biggest thing that people want are going to want to try to do in any kind of tri- crisis situation is try to keep things as normal as possible, especially for the children, because everybody's going to be freaking out. So if you can keep things as normal as possible, um, so an example of that would be 
being able to take a hot shower at the end of the day. And people don't realize how wonderful that is until you don't have it. And, uh, you know, our first year and a half up here on the homestead, we didn't have running water. So we had Jeez, to hump how water. Did you do that? Well, we, we humped water in. We, you know, we'd take our five-gallon containers and we'd fill up. And then when it was time to shower, what we did was we heated that water up and we put it in, um, you know, containers and we went into the shower. And you pour a little water on you and you soap up and then you pour some more water on you and you rinse off. I mean, you do what you have to do. But when, by when we finally got running water and we had uh, be able to get in there and take a hot shower, psychologically, it is unbelievably how awesome that is. And it's just the simple things. The simple things are really, really important. But, uh, you know, it's, when it comes to food, um, I tell people they really need to diversify when it comes to food. I think they should have freeze-dried foods uh, because it's like those have a shelf life of 25 years plus sometimes. And, uh, you know, it's a nice thing to have is a change of pace. Uh, so freeze-dried foods, your your rice, your beans, and all those type of things. And, uh, you know, make sure, like you said, when you were talking about, uh, you know, having coffee, uh a, people would kill for a cup of coffee if they haven't had a cup of coffee in a couple of months. So, you know, again, that, it's a really good barter item to have. And so, you know, having those different things that you use on a generally an everyday basis, um, but then also having things that you can, you know, barter with, because there's always going to be something that we forgot that we went, oh man, I wish I had that. And somebody else may have it, but boy, if you got coffee and if you got sugar, Think about the up here, especially in the Northeast where I'm at, there would be no more sugar. So, you know, we wouldn't, you know, that would be a, a luxury to have sugar because we don't have sugar cane up here. So, you know, I mean, we would have, you know, the honeybees and stuff like that. So that would be very valuable, of course. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, you have to think about those type of things. And the last question I have for you is, what we, what the time we have left, well, as long as civilization is standing right now, which today is was March 26, 2020, what are a couple of things that, that you recommend people do right now? I mean, while there's still time, what are three things that people should be doing right now? If they never stop, if they, even if they never started prepping at all, what are three actions they can take? The number one thing people need to do right now, if they don't do anything else, the number one thing is have some way to purify water. So, um, you know, there is a lot of options out there, um, not very expensive. And, uh, you know, they have uh, a lot of different ways that you can purify water. So have some way to purify water because uh, a major event happens and there's no, you know, regular water. The taps aren't working anymore and stuff like that more people will die from dysentery than any other way possible because they're going to be drinking cleaner water. And so being able to have potable water that you can drink is going to be key. That's number one. Well, real quick, is there, is there a product you recommend? I mean, like, do we get a five-gallon water? Like, what, what uh, is there any particular things you, that work well for you? Well, hold on one second. Let me, let me grab something, and I'll tell you a, a product that I definitely recommend. I have no affiliation with them but it is definitely a product that I recommend. It is a water filter that will purify up to 100,000 gallons of water. Uh, it's very, very lightweight. The product of water that I would recommend for people to have, it's called, um, it's a Sawyer. It's, Sawyer is a great, great product. 
Um, the micro squeeze is what it's called. It's very lightweight. It's under a pound. Um, this thing will do 100,000 gallons of water. It'll be under 30 bucks. That's exactly what it'll cost you. It's under $30. Oh, wow. And it's something that will absolutely save your life. Now, the one thing to remember with this filter, do not let the membrane freeze. So you definitely do not want to let that freeze because otherwise if the membrane separates, it's not going to do its job. But 100,000 gallons is a tremendous amount of water for 30 bucks. And, uh, you know, like I said, while everybody else is uh, dying of dysentery, that's, what, that's the one thing that you should have for sure. Water is always going to be number one. Number two, I would say to people to have a minimum, minimum of a two-week supply of food. Uh, whatever you want to have as far as food, whatever your flavor is, whatever you like, uh, minimum of two weeks. And then once you hit two weeks, then you start working towards three weeks. And then you just continue to build that up. And they'll be amazed how quickly um, that builds up. So how, how do they do that? How do they build that supply up? Well, when you go to the store and you do your regular grocery shopping and you normally buy uh, two cans of Chef Boyardee raviolis, right? Well, you buy three cans and you put that one back in a rotation. And so you're gonna use your oldest stuff first and the newest stuff goes into the back. So the next week when you go and you normally eat your two cans of raviolis, now you got one left over, you buy three again, you use the two, now you have two extra ones. And, and it's just, it's amazing how quickly um, those supplies will build up by doing that. And uh, again, it's just, uh, it's working at things methodically you know, with as far as that goes, uh, you know, in the, the third thing I would say um, is really, really important. Have a way to protect what is yours, uh, because if you don't have some way to protect what is yours, somebody else that does have a way to protect themselves will come and take away from you what you have. So, you know, your family is the most important thing, being able to protect your family. And, you know, traditionally, um, it is the males of the species that, you know, do, do the protecting. Um, so, you know, we need to step up and take care of those loved ones that we have. So those would be the th three things right now. Water, number one, food, number two, and a way to protect your family, number three. If you're brand new and you have n done none of those three things, those are the three things that you need to do first. Edward Carswell, I swear you give a thank you so much for being on the show. You give a tremendous amount of information, uh, absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Edward again is a preparedness expert. His channel on YouTube is called Prepper Nurse One. And it, again, what is the best website for you? Um, well, you can either go on YouTube or you go to the website. With the website is PrepperNurseOne.com. Uh, the YouTube channel is Prepper Nurse One. So uh, the links are there, right there. Um, email is the same again. It's PrepperNurse1 at Yahoo.com. So um, th those are the, the three. It's all the same. It's, you, you type in PrepperNurse1, and it's the it's number right one, up. not only. You know, you'll find me. Excellent. I want to let everyone know again, uh, second time we've had Edward on our show, there are a lot of channels you can go out to to learn about prepping, but there's n Ed gives a really great perspectives and there's no fear mongering it's just straightforward advice so edward thank you so much well thank you very much i appreciate you having me on okay everyone that concludes today's edition of the out of limits of the truth radio show special thanks to our featured guest once again mr edward carswell and special thanks as always to our virtues 
Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa McGarity, and Miss Constance Dellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.